Welcome to another captivating episode of Raw Momversations, where fearless moms and experts unite to explore alternative practices. Hey there, I'm Ali. And I'm Melania. Our mission is to empower your one-of-a-kind parenting journey. Join us as we explore unconventional birthing and parenting methods. Get ready for inspiration, authentic stories, and unwavering family love. Together, we're rewriting our rules of parenting one bold step at a time. So without further ado, let's kick off this empowering conversation. Raw Momversations, where fearless motherhood leads the way. And we're back. <laughs> Hello. Season two. Season two. I'm a little bit nervous. It's like starting over again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's only because today we have an even specialer guest. Who's that? Are you ready? Yeah. I feel like I can't look at you while I'm reading this because I'm either going to cry or I'm going to laugh. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Today, I am beyond excited to welcome our first guest of season two. We get to hear the awe-inspiring journey of my best friend, my co-host, Allie, who gracefully, no pun intended, welcomed her daughter, Grace, into this world on December 24th, Christmas Eve, which fun fact, I guessed correctly. You did. Of everyone. Yeah. You on the bet. <laughs> Ali, a loving wife, mom of two, entrepreneur, business owner, celebrity makeup artist, podcaster, just an absolute freaking force of nature. She is so organized, considerate, and endlessly thoughtful. Her dedication to ensuring the best for her loved ones shines through in absolutely everything that she does. Her devotion to her family knows no bounds and witnessing her thorough research and unwavering determination to bring grace into the world the way that she envisioned it was nothing short of amazing and a breathtaking testament to her love and her strength. But it doesn't end there, people. Her advocacy towards empowering and supporting others wherever they may be in their pregnancy and parenting journeys is not just a passion of hers, but a deeply rooted devotion that she truly holds so close to her heart. So I would have loved to have welcomed you right now to the Rocky theme song, but you know how I get with things that we don't own the rights to. So I'm going to drop a beat. Uh, wait, how does it go now? I forgot. Oh my, I have na 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 na. I, and I practiced this. What is the Rocky theme song? Da na na, da na na, da na na. Na na na. Na, na 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 so without further ado ali the floor is yours hello hi well that was beautiful thank you i'm in tears i know that's why i couldn't look at you i know oh it's the we're gonna blame it on the pregnancy hormones okay okay we're gonna go with that okay <laughs> well this is exciting it is so we're gonna get into your birth Ooh, yeah do you want to start maybe with your first daughter, Isabel's birth, and just kind of how that motivated you? Yeah. So um, I think uh, what kind of opened my eyes to um, the more natural and like holistic birthing option was a doula. Um, so Chris, we who we interviewed, so sweet, big heart, love her. Um, she kind of sat with us and really started to inform and educate me and my husband in terms of like what to expect when you enter the hospital. What is an epidural? What is Pitocin? What is this? What is, I like to do my homework and my research. So instead of spending my days wondering what fruit my child was of the week, I dug deep into research as to, you know, what all of these medical interventions were. Um, so while I did all my homework, I realized that I would like to avoid as much medical intervention as possible due to the side effects. And one thing that really struck me too was when she put like all these like post-its all over. I think we talked about that. She's like, okay, when you get the epidural, there's something here. Then we have the monitor here. Then we have this here. And then we have the IV. And then we have the antibiotic. And then you're strapped to the bed. And I was like, oh God, this is, this is not what I want. Like I want to be able to walk around my room freely and and, uh, you know, push instinctively. And I want, I like to have control, as you know, in my life. <laughs> so the thought of like not being able to move or do anything that I wanted to um, with an epidural really irritated me, I think more than anything. 
And then, of course, like all the side effects of the epidural scare the living hell out of me. I am not someone who likes to take Advil or Tylenol. You know, I, we take the natural route as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, this is not this does not go with my teenage years because, you know, I used to pop Advil prior to even going out, which I deeply regret. Um, but who, we didn't know any better, right? So yeah, um, educating myself and informing myself led me to want a very natural birth. I remember, you know, speaking to a few medical professionals and I, I don't want an epidural. I want this natural. And I was literally like laughed at and said like, good luck, you know, which kind of sucks because it's kind of disempowering you as a woman and basically saying like, you cannot do it without one. And it's like already kind of subtly instilling the fear of like, yeah, this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And I need the help. Yeah. Oh, you can't do it without that. Good. So um, I was being followed uh, by the hospital system and a doctor uh, for Isabel's pregnancy. Um, what ended up happening is at my, I think it was like 40 week appointment. Um, she did a sweep and she said, look, a sweep will basically prevent you from being induced. And for me, I, I don't want to be induced. I want to avoid Pitocin, you know, as much as I humanly can. Um, so to me, this was like a good option. What I didn't realize was there was a risk with a sweep, which could be puncturing the membrane. So your water. Um, which I was not aware of. Now I am. <laughs> she did the sweep and she actually ended up puncturing my my water by accident. You know, I don't think she did it on purpose. So I went home and I had like a bit of a slow leak. And at this point, um, I waited until the next morning and then I really felt it like coming. And as you know, if you have GBS, you have to be on antibiotics or they suggest you to be on antibiotics. Right. You don't have to do anything. I'll make that very clear to everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. It's a suggestion, but you are told you need to do it. When your water breaks, you have X amount of time before you have to, the risk of infection, X, Y, Z, and then you have to start the antibiotic and this and that. So um, I ended up going to the hospital that day and of course they say, well, your water, we're going to check you in and you're giving birth. So I said, okay, here we go. And it took a very long time for contractions to start because, you know, when your water is broken prematurely, you're not, your baby's not necessarily ready to come out. It's going to be forced to come out because, well, right. the fluid's leaking now and the baby needs that protective sac in order to survive in your womb. So basically one thing led to another and it was a cascade of interventions. Um, they start to come in and they say, your contractions aren't happening fast enough. You're not dilating fast, fast enough. You're not ripening. So they start pumping you up with things. And I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, this is not, this is not the plan, you know, but you know, we have to remind everybody you went in plastered with your birth plan all over the room. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I printed it about 10 times. I put it on the front door, on the back of the door, uh, beside me uh, at the nurse's station. Like everyone knew what my birth plan was. And it says, do not administer anything without my permission, my husband's permission, um, and unless absolutely medic medically necessary. One thing led to another and they said, we have to induce you. Um, you know, looking back, I would have probably challenged them a little bit more knowing what I know today. Um, we have to induce you. So here, here comes the Pitocin. And for those of you who don't know, Pitocin is a synthetic version of oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone that they call it the love hormone. So this is what brings on your contractions naturally for your baby. You know, it's, it's showtime for your baby to come out and this gradually builds up your contractions and leads to the labor. Pitocin basically once injected, or given administered by IV, it you go from like zero to a hundred. So your body doesn't have the ability to build up the stamina to endure the contractions. They literally start from like zero and they go to a hundred within minutes. Once this is administered, you're suffering instantly. And this is what leads women to kind of fail on their birth plan, which is what happened to me is because they were so unrealistic. They were so dramatic that you you just can't take the pain. It's not natural. So this is when they start, you know, rolling in the the cart with the epidural and they say, we're just here. Would you like to take it? And I remember telling my husband, I said, if they ask me for an epidural, you, you tell them, no, you tell them to get out. 
And he's looking at me and I'm like, not yet, not yet. So they roll back out. They, they taunt you with it. They're like, oh, we may not be here. You yeah. can hear the wheels coming in. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want it? So I said, you know, what? I'm going to go as long as I humanly can. Uh, I think I lasted maybe like three, four hours without it. And then it was just like unbearable. And they increase your Pitocin. They make it stronger and stronger. I had asked them for um, the monitors that you can walk around, but he, now I couldn't even walk around. So now you're IV'd in the bed and you're just... I said, okay, well, I, I waved the white flag and I was so disappointed in myself. But at the same time, I knew that this synthetic Pitocin that they've just given me is, is no, no one can bear it. It's inhumane, honestly. So here comes the epidural. Um, so I felt like a little bit of a failure in that sense, but not because I'm against it, but because my goal was to not have it. So we got it and I asked them to put it at its like lowest dose because my fear was not being able to feel like my body parts or not being able to feel the urge to push. And that was super important to me, um, especially going through uh, pelvic floor therapy and learning how to push. I said, I know how, so I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to mess with this. So they put it at a super low dose. It gave me a little bit of relief. Um, I had like severe, severe uh, headaches and shakes from the epidural during labor after I had other side effects. A few hours later, then it's time to push. Um, I had a great nurse realize that the baby was probably not in the best position. So she had me roll over on the peanut ball on my side, on my belly, on the other. The doctors have already come in and said, well, um, if you don't give birth within the next uh, hour, then we're going to do a C-section. And I literally, I remember like coming, sitting up on my bed and I was like, no, <laughs> like this is where you're not going to mess with me. It is not happening. <laughs> like the line is drawn. This is like tennis. This is like no Pitocin, no epidural, no C-section. No, it just felt like I was constantly like fighting yeah. my whole labor. Right. You know, they're coming in and they're trying to seduce you with all these drugs and this, and I'm trying to like fight my battle. And instead of them encouraging me to be like, okay, you got this. Let's give it a few more hours. I didn't feel any support in that sense. I felt like they were on a clock. There was going to be a shift change and I had to deliver. If not, the next doctor was going to take over and get the credit for it or something. It didn't sit well with me. Um, so the nurse said, okay, why don't we just practice pushing? And she saw that I was a really good pusher, probably because I could still feel everything. And I learned through pelvic floor therapy how to do it. So when the doctor came back in, the nurse actually vouched for me and said, listen, she knows how to push. She's She's got this, you know? And then sure enough, yeah, thank God for her, you know? Because yeah. otherwise, uh, I'm sure the the C-section wheeler, wheeler was, uh, <laughs> was squeaking over. <laughs> Isabel came out super healthy. Thank God I had requested delayed cord clamping. My husband cut the cord and then they put you in a wheelchair and then they wheel you off to the trenches, <laughs> you know? In the birthing room, you have like, you push the button, they come running. But after that, it's like, forget it if you need help. Really? Yeah. I remember just being disrupted like every, it's like those memes you see on Instagram. <laughs> Sweetie, we're just here. You're not even going to know we're here. <laughs> we know you're here. Oh, no. They they came when they needed to. But when I needed their help, no they one showed up. to be fine. You know? <laughs> so that was a frustrating thing. And it was COVID. So there was no um, like private room. So we had like a little curtain separate. It was just like not what I had envisioned. Although it didn't go as planned, it went as well as it possibly could have. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, look, I know it's not the doctor's fault for pushing all these things. I understand they have a protocol and a, a time frame, and they really have to follow it because, you know, it's an institution they work for and they have rules. With that being said, I said my next pregnancy is going to look very different and I'm going to kind of take control. And what that looked like was switching over to a midwife. So yeah, that's how Isabel's pregnancy went and what confirmed my decision to go the full natural route without any temptations or interventions. And last question, because I feel like this is going to matter later when we talk about Grace. What did your body feel like and breastfeeding and how was that whole experience after this labor? I don't remember this, but Ellie said I slept for like six hours after they transferred us into the other room. Um, like I was out cold. 
um, I remember not being able to like walk. Someone had to help me go to the bathroom. It was just like a, a zombie. And in terms of breastfeeding, she would, I couldn't, she couldn't latch. Um, maybe because I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. It's your first time kid, but like she had a very hard time latching. She had a very hard time breastfeeding. I remember them coming in and like manually trying to squeeze cholesterol out of me so they can feed her. Um, it was just like very difficult situation, I feel. And again, you know, you're pushing the button. Your kid's been screaming for six hours and the, they come in and they're like, well, babies cry. <laughs> and that carried on into home, right? Yeah. 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 So let's get into Grace's journey. Yeah. So we start in the hospital system because until you get accepted into the birthing center, you have to be followed by your doctor. Yes. Did my initial blood work when I found out I was pregnant uh, with the hospital, the same one I was at uh, for Isabel. And my appointment six weeks later uh, basically resulted in a UTI. And when I got my results, I was like, okay, six weeks later, first of all, if I had a UTI six weeks ago, I would really feel it. I was told to go on to antibiotics. And, you know, after doing my research very thoroughly on antibiotics, you got to look at the pros and cons and the side effects of being on many multiple rounds of antibiotics. Something in my gut just said, eh, something feels a little off. So I'm going to go and privately redo my my urinary Which also, sidetrack, Isabel had a UTI at the same time as you and was in actual physical pain. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And you were feeling nothing. And I was feeling nothing. Yeah. And I had gotten my midwife already and I met her and she was wonderful. And I sent her a message and I said, look, my lab results came out. Uh, she also was given a copy because I transferred my files. And I said, it says I have a UTI, but I'm just, my gut is saying no, you know, and I really don't want to be on antibiotics for absolutely no reason. So sure enough, I, she said, she told me, she goes, look, if you do have a UTI, it's super important to take the antibiotics because the side effects of the UTI, it can lead into like a major infection, especially in pregnancy. So it's important to treat. So I said, okay, let's redo it. If it's positive, I'll take it. If not, forget it. It ever happened. Sure enough, my lab results came back. I have no UTI. So, you know, I would have been on antibiotics pregnant for no reason, killing all like the beautiful gut flora in my body. With the possibility of having to do another round at birth as well, no? Right, right. If you're GBS positive, you are suggested to do another round of antibiotics during delivery. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to do two rounds of antibiotics? Like, that's crazy. It's too much. So... Anyway, I'm glad that like my gut at that point told me go the other way. Yeah. Which can I just do a little uh, throw in here? We're actually going to have a podcast all about antibiotics coming up with our mm-hmm. uh, naturopath, Christina. Yeah. So I know we're making a big emphasis on antibiotics, but in the future, you will understand mm-hmm. the decision as to when and why. Yeah. And what it actually does. Yeah. Okay, so now we're with the midwife. We've transitioned. And what is friends, family, people's reactions when you're telling them? Because obviously people are like, oh, you're pregnant. How far along were you delivering? Yeah, yeah. And then the answer. Yeah. (laughs) Which hospital are you delivering? And I tell them a birthing center and their jaw kind of drops. What what do you mean a birthing center? What is that? Something private? No, it's covered by the Canadian or Quebec government. And it's, you know, you're just followed by a midwife as opposed to a doctor. So the reaction is, quite jaw dropping. (laughs) And the first question is, well, can you get an epidural? (laughs) And I say, well, there is absolutely no option for an epidural. And they look at me and they're like, oh my God, you're crazy. You know, it's going to (laughs) hurt. That's, that's the most popular reaction. You know, it's going to hurt. How, how can you do it without the epidural? You know, it's just so sad that our society has made women believe that they cannot do it on their own. When for, since the beginning of time, women have been doing it. I think like modern medicine and these epidurals only started what, like 50 to 100 years ago. So any, anyone before that gave birth without it. Right. But today you're just led to believe that you, you do not have the ability to withstand that temporary pain on your own. Right. It's sad. You know, I know, but I feel like it's been ingrained also, like even, I don't even know if the thought comes to someone's mind of like, oh, I'm sad that I'm not giving myself the chance. Like, I think everyone's just become so used to it that it's just kind of like a way of life. Yeah. 
and there's not even a second thought like to obviously somebody who's done research and is who's into the holistic alternatives mm-hmm. these things comes to mind but to people who haven't right i don't think they they've just glamorized the epidural yeah. as a pain I think that's a relief word. you know glamorized right as like a pain relief and you shouldn't why should you be in pain you know this is we can just relieve you from that a podcast that both you and i listen to literally just thinking that i was like yeah. can we talk about it um dr stuart fishbein and bliss the midwife um we will link their podcast because we just love them and it's there's so much information about literally every single topic um but he did talk about the epidural and how you know for the past 9 months you and your baby have been in sync through your hormones your cortisol levels, your oxytocin, your um, everything you eat, like everything has been synced together in this beautiful harmony. And now when it's showtime and you're given this epidural for your own relief. First, the baby understands yeah. when prior to getting the epidural that like, okay, we're in this together. Yes. It's like, it's happening. And yeah. so the baby's working with you. Yeah, exactly. And then- so the contractions are like starting and the baby's like, okay, it's time. They know what to do. It's, nature is magical so your body knows what to do your baby knows what to do but then once this epidural is administered it completely disconnects you and your baby yeah you know and now your baby is left to like fend for itself and the way he explained it um i was crying i i know it's it's my heart was hurting so when my contraction started with grace i was like girl we got this we're in this together i got you yeah because he says that the baby is like, mom's gone. Yeah. Where's mommy? Mom's gone. Yeah. So completely loses the connection to mom and is doing it all on its own. Yeah. And so then, hence, all of your cascade of interventions. Exactly. I can read you some side effects of the epidural because no one talks about this. So I feel like we have a slight duty. What size font is that to you that you see we're able to fit all on one page? It's a very tiny font. <laughs> You know, can't visually see sticking a whole eight by 10 paper. You know, some side effects include uh, spinal headaches, which is leakage of the spinal fluid that is punctured in the membrane. Um, Headache, restlessness, restlessness, backaches, anxiety, uh, fecal and urinary incontinence, dizziness, uh, ears ringing, blurred vision, cardiac arrest, tremors, convulsions, uh, drowsiness. Uh, respiratory arrest, uh, nausea, vomiting, chills, sneezing, um, excessive sweating, decreased cardiac output, elevated temperature, heart block, uh, hypotension, which is low blood blood pressure, excuse me, including severe hypertension, uh, low heart rate, uh, vascular arrhythmias, uh, loss of perineal sensation and sexual function, urinary retention, loss of sphincter control, you know, and this is a lot of the times when the doctor is going to come in and say, oh, your baby's heart rate is dropping or it's rising. And it's a side effect of this, right? right? And no one's kind of putting two and two together. And then they panic and then they end up in a C-section and they say, oh, thank God I was at the hospital to get a C-section because my kid's heart rate was dropping but really it's because you're being pumped with opioids you know yeah i encourage every parent to take a little look at the insert of the ingredients of what an epidural is i just feel like the way you said it glamorized people are willing to take the risk oh no for me i I was like scared i was terrified to take it I literally thought I was going to die when she was behind me. I mean, I'm sure like for anybody who's listening, I'm sure there are situations where, I mean, I remember I was watching uh, an episode yesterday of Southern Charm and uh, a girl was explaining she's trying to get pregnant and her pelvis broke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's situations yes. where things are like medically necessary. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. But I remember even in this podcast, I think Dr. Seuss calls labor. It's completely part of mother nature, yeah. but he like no one expects you to go and do knee surgery without being medicated. Do you know what right. I mean? That is not part right. of mother nature. Exactly. Exactly. You're... a hip replacement or whatever. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, like a physiological birth is normal and they've just made birth a medical procedure. 
you know, like you should be afraid, you should be surrounded by doctors, you should be, uh, you know, ready for any type of intervention and C-section when really like women, most of them gave birth at home in their bed my cousin, know, and their my, neighbor, my cousin, cousin Jules yeah. delivered in her hallway. Literally. <laughs> Shout out to my aunt for catching the baby. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Um, okay. So let's get into your appointments. Yeah. Because they didn't look the exact same like you had with Isabel, correct? Right. So your first one was how long? Our first appointment with the midwife was two hours long. My husband and I sat with her. She asked us both of our family histories. She asked the way my mom delivered, how were her deliveries and her pregnancies. Um, she wanted to know every detail about Isabel's pregnancy and her birth and what I liked about it, what I disliked about it. Um, really got to know our entire history, what our birth plan looked like, what we wanted. Um, it, it was just amazing. I don't know why I'm laughing inside, but I just remember, I, I don't know if this, I'm pretty sure this happens with all the doctors, but I remember being asked, you know, what do I do for a living? What does my husband do for a living? And do we own cats? <laughs> <laughs> but how irrelevant is that? Maybe the cat thing, because there's cat litter and that's dangerous. Yeah, and probably jumping into the crib. <laughs> Well, the cat litter is like poisonous for pregnant women. Okay. Yeah. But the what you do for a living has is completely irre- irrelevant to your pregnancy. That's for sure. <laughs> that's just the government wanting to know <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> like, will this woman go back to work after li- labor? <laughs> um, so first appointment, two hours, super informative, getting mm-hmm. to know you completely. Yep. Okay. I'm... Um, you came to my second appointment, I believe. Right. Um, as you saw, the room is very homey, very cozy. There's no stirrups. There's no, um, it doesn't feel cold. But there's like a bed and she sits, you sit and you chat with her and then you lie down on the bed and she takes your heart rate and she, um, you know, checks the baby's heart. There's no physical internal exams done unless you ask them to or unless they feel that they need to. But I never had a physical internal exam done by my midwife until I was in the birthing center an hour away from delivering. (laughs) And might I add, I wasn't able to stay for your whole appointment because she left to deliver two babies. She did, yeah. And then came back like it was nothing. Yep. Yep. It was incredible. Amazing. Yeah. And do you want to talk about how you kind of had almost a scare that was almost going to deviate you from your plan, but how supportive she was to you during that appointment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during my 20-week ultrasound, the technician had written down uh, low placenta, but she didn't write a number. So when my midwife said that, she said, okay, let's just reassess this. Um, when you go for your third ultrasound, I said, what's the worst case scenario? She said, worst case is you have to deliver in a hospital, but I will negotiate with them to be there. Um, but she said, look, don't even, don't lose sleep over this. We're going to handle it. Um, and for the most part, you'll be totally fine. And then again, I listened to Dr. Stu's podcast about a low lying placenta and basically said that if you have a front, um, uh, anterior placenta, as you grow, it will typically lift with your belly. Um, and in a study, it showed that 100% of anterior placentas ended up lifting. Um, I'm not talking about placenta privia. That's a whole other thing. But sure enough, um, I was like traumatized to deliver in a hospital. So I, every night I would pray, I'd say, please, God, lift this placenta. <laughs> I remember our text messages were so different this time around. Instead of being like, I don't know, sending the pictures of the weekly bump, it was like, what's the number? Do we have the number? Is the magic number there? <laughs> so anyway, my third ultrasound basically showed that it had lifted and we're totally in the clear and good to go. Right. And you didn't even end up doing a 30 something week ultrasound, right? Or did you? Oh, no, that was it. Okay. Because they wanted to see the right the inches of the placenta. Right. And had you not, you could have said no to that, that yeah. ult- ultrasound, right? I know a lot of women who have done just one ultrasound. And let's talk about the things that you were able to say no to because you were informed. Um, so you have the right to choose whether or not to do a GBS swab. Um, I did it just out of pure curiosity. And um, she handed me the swab and I went to the bathroom and I did it myself. Right. So she didn't even 
do it for me. I just went there, swabbed myself, gave it back, got the results two days later. Um, and this will determine whether or not you need antibiotics. Um, you don't need them. You can, we, so we discussed in depth the pros and cons of having them during labor. Um, you do have to start them, I think, four hours before you deliver for them to really kick in. Um, but if you fast forward to my labor, I didn't even have four hours. So I told her, I said, well, what what if someone has GBS and they deliver uh, in the car on the way to the hospital? What's going to happen? She's like, nothing, nothing. And if the kid does get this 0.1% chance of getting it, it's treatable. The kid gets antibiotics. So it's not like a life and death situation. I felt comfortable enough to, you know, um, we decide to take the risk factor approach. So if I were to develop a fever during my delivery, then we would administer antibiotics. But I didn't. So we didn't even go near them. Right. The other thing I declined was um, any types of childhood vaccines, um, the DTaP vaccine, the flu vaccine uh, during my pregnancy. I did not see a need for that. If I cannot drink wine um, or turkey, then, you know, I'm going to put these in the same category. So again, this is not medical advice or I'm not telling anyone to avoid or do or whatnot. This is after doing my own personal research and being confident and comfortable to say no. You also didn't do the diabetes testing. Right. Um, There's no history of diabetes in my family. I didn't have it with my pregnancy. And um, going through my family history, as she knew very well, deeply, um, she didn't feel that I was at risk. So we didn't even bother doing it. It's just the support and the Mm -hmm. knowledge. She didn't make me feel like I was a crazy person for saying yes or no to anything. They are truly supportive, whether you do want to do it or don't want to do it, um, which is amazing. because. In other situations, people can be rolling their eyes or like pressuring you or making you feel, you know, when I declined to do any vaccines with Isabel, I was basically told, well, I'm not going to fight you on this, but you are the minority, just so you know. And I said, I'm okay with that. Thank you. You know? Yeah. Well, I even remember uh, I ended up getting the whooping cough vaccine because my child was quote unquote being born in the winter. So it was something that was supposed to be helpful. And I remember because it was COVID, you couldn't get anything because everyone was trying to get the flu vaccine. So I couldn't get this. And I was freaked out because she gave me like a time frame of right. when I was supposed to do it. So I had my pharmacy have it delivered and do it there to find out my cousin who also delivered at the same hospital doctor didn't even recommend it. And her mm-hmm. baby was born the month after mine. Right. You know? Yeah. But again, it, it all goes back to you know, are you just going to blindly listen to what you're being told to do? Or are you going to take the time? You have nine months, <laughs> ladies, you have nine months to do homework and research and just to educate yourself and and take some time and do like a little bit of a deep dive and see what you find. Right. In my defense, just defend me at that point in time. It was I got pregnant at the start of COVID. So the world was like a <laughs> blowing up, blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to push with a mask on. I'll never yeah. forget that. Yeah. Poor, poor yeah. you. But anyways, it's not about me. So we've discussed everything that you said no to. From all of the holistic alternatives that we've discussed in our podcast before, did you utilize all the same things like you did with Isabel? Did you use something new? Did you not use something? Um, so I definitely used a pelvic floor therapist, mm-hmm. osteo. Um, last pregnancy, I also had a physio, but I didn't need that this time because I felt really good. Um, I didn't have any sciatic or anything. Crystal yeah. came, the doula. The doula right? came. Up yep. Well, so she came, uh, this time not to inform us about A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Here is the birth and what's going to happen. We already know. And obviously way more educated than the first time. Um, but this time she came and she basically taught my husband different techniques to help me get through a natural birth because there's no form of pain relief, but right. these magical techniques. So she showed my husband, she showed me uh, different like inversions to get the baby in the right place and things like that and things he can do to help alleviate some pressure. So it was a little bit different. Okay. 
We are approaching your labor. However, you have a holiday baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So let's just talk about you made it to your 40 week. Yeah. Um, week. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens? So now we're coming into the holidays. Um, it's uh, everyone wants to take the time off. <laughs> We discuss and we joke, but then, yeah. So typically, uh, once you go over forty weeks, they want you to do a stress test. Sorry, once you're past forty-one weeks, they want you to do a stress test. I think it's part of the Quebec system rules or whatever, um, just to ensure that your baby's still doing well in the womb. Um, I was personally ready to go until forty-two weeks, and then we would do like natural versions of induction with the midwife. Um, so my appointment at 40 weeks, she said, look, we're going to have to schedule your your 41-week stress test, call them, but you know they're probably not going to take you before the holidays, which is totally fine. Schedule it for like the 27, 28. The affiliated hospital calls me and says, you need to come in on the 22nd um, to do your stress test. And uh, I said, well, I'm not even going to be 41 weeks on the 22nd. So my midwife told me to book something for the 27th, 28th. I'll be like well overdue my 41 weeks and we can go from there. So the lady on the phone puts the phone down, but doesn't put me on hold. And I hear her asking to move my appointment. And another lady is just yelling at her saying, no, we're on vacation. It is the holidays. She's coming in on Friday or she's not coming at all. I hear this woman like screaming (laughs) and I'm just, oh my God, is this for real? So the poor receptionist gets back on the phone and says, um, yeah, we don't have any appointments next week. All the doctors are, are on holiday and, uh, you you have to come in on Friday. So at this point I'm kind of laughing and I said, well, you know, what if someone's delivering next week? What are you going to do? She goes, well, you know, we're just, we're just so overwhelmed. The next two weeks are a big mess. I don't even want to think about it. Imagine, this is the receptionist telling a patient, we're completely overwhelmed. If you come in next week, you're screwed. You know, I was just in disbelief that that was the situation. So anyway, I booked an appointment for Friday. Um, She's air quoting. Air quoting, yeah. I booked it. And my midwife was like, you're not going. You're going to deliver during Christmas or after Christmas. The baby's coming before, you know, don't even worry about it. And sure enough, I ended up going into labor on the 24th, which was like a few days after, right. way before the stress test. Right. So They called you now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they called you. They left you a voicemail. Yeah. So they called me on Friday afternoon after I missed my appointment um, and said, uh, well, I should play the, the recording. It was so funny. She's like, well, since you missed your appointment, we have to take you on the 27th. I mean, we're not supposed to, but we have no choice. So, um, yeah, see you on the 27th at 10 a.m. And, uh, yeah, bye. If you haven't delivered by then. If you haven't delivered by then. (laughs) I just couldn't believe it. So she could have given me the 27th, but they just wanted to relieve their schedule for the holidays, you know. Right. I feel bad for anyone who – well, first of all, that was my biggest fear when I did that, you know – birth calculator when I found out I was pregnant for the due date, the due date calculator, and it fell on the 24th. I was like, oh my God, people are going to be pissed at the hospitals. It's like, (laughs) that was my biggest fear. Right. And meanwhile, your midwife's like, well, one of us has Christmas and one of us has New Year's. Exactly. Because they work in a team of two. So one does Christmas, one does New Year's. And I said, well, are you going to be here on Christmas? I remember it was one of my first questions. She's like, absolutely. We're going to put Christmas lights up for you. It's going to be beautiful. It's great. Beautiful time of year. You know, so you feel like you're not disrupting their their life or their Christmas turkey dinner. Ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> okay. So drum roll. Mm. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> Labor day. Labor day. Labor day. Labor day. <laughs> So 3.30 a.m., I start to feel like, ooh, a little cramp. And, you know, then about 20 minutes later, oh, another little cramp. And then, oh, another cramp 20 minutes later. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, this is it. Right, because you, you didn't even feel this the first time. No, I didn't get to experience the, like, gradual um, uh, development of contractions. So they're 
now they're coming like 20 minutes and I'm they're like a little bit stronger by 6 a.m. And I kind of kicked my husband out of the room. I didn't kick him out of the room. I asked him to sleep in the guest bedroom because he was snoring and I felt like I really needed a good night's sleep. So he was actually sleeping in the guest bedroom as this is happening. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to wake him because I need him like full of energy too. You know, like I need him to be my on top of it and be my support and 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 or be all there. Said, uh, guardian of labor. <laughs> guardian of labor. <laughs> so he was sleeping in the guest room. My daughter wakes up at 6 a.m. and I go get her and I said, Isabel, let's go wake up daddy and tell him Grace is coming. So we walk over to the, the guest bedroom, open the door and uh, she goes, Dada, Dada, Grace is coming. And he kind of wakes up and says, what are you talking about? I said, get up. <laughs> Today's the day. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, are you serious? I said, yeah, I've been having contractions since three o'clock in the morning and they're getting stronger and stronger. And it's like 630 now. And they're like, I would say like 10 minutes apart, nine minutes apart. They're they're definitely getting closer and closer together. So we we this is Christmas Eve now right. and we do Christmas Eve with his family they do a big big evening dinner so we text them and say listen we're not joining tonight <laughs> grace is coming so we arranged to have uh, isabel picked up after her nap at 2 p.m they were coming so in the morning i said you know i really want to spend this like every second with with isabel and so we did like our whole morning routine and breakfast and you know uh, played together and i'm just leaning over the the kitchen counter and having a contraction and going, "Mm," you know, and she pops her head underneath me and she's, hi, mama. (laughs) So she was a really good distraction for like the contractions getting stronger and stronger. I didn't even look at it that way. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) the best is when I put her down for her nap. I don't know if you've ever tried to sing twinkle, twinkle, little star while having a contraction. But it goes something like this. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. <laughs> well, I mean, I even remember FaceTiming you and you had a contraction on the phone. And I was like, how are you going to do this until your nap? You know, I, I, I was mentally prepared for this. I said, I know this is going to be the most pain I've ever been in in my entire life. You know, so if you've told yourself that for the past nine months and you're ready for it, it's it's game time, you know? And now I got a really good night's sleep the night before that. <laughs> I was resting while I was having my contractions, even through like three o'clock in the morning. Um, I took a few showers that really helped. I was just struggling at that point because they were like four minutes apart, but only for 40 seconds, you know? And the midwife had called me and said she wanted to hear my voice and how I was that's how they know what stage of labor you're in. So she kind of heard my voice. She's like, okay, let's, uh, when's Isabel getting picked up? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, let's reassess in about an hour and, uh, and we'll talk from there. Okay. So I said, okay. So I put Isabel down to bed and now my contractions, I'm in the shower. And I, I just felt like if I have my hands on a table or like against the wall and I'm like holding on to something and I kind of just squat and sway, that was kind of like my go-to position. And for some reason, on my tippy toes, like that tippy toe power just gave me something extra. Ballet came into this labor. Ballet came into those, all those ballet years paid off. <laughs> so they just got stronger and stronger and stronger. My midwife called me at like two o'clock and said, Oh, I just want to check on you. And I'm like, Okay, one second. <laughs> you know? And she's like, Okay, so I'm here. Like from my last phone call with her, she knew I was like getting close. Right. I'm here. So whenever you're ready, come on over. <laughs> so I said, Okay, Isabel's getting picked up in like 10 minutes and then we'll make our way. So here I am just bracing and swaying and they're getting stronger and closer together. Isabel gets picked up. She goes. She's excited to see Santa. She's happy. I give her a big, big hug as my last moment moment with her. Give me a hug. (laughs) I don't know why that makes you so emotional. Well, it's a big thing in life. It was just you and her. I mean, she's doing so well having a sister, by the way. Like best big sister. Uh, yeah, so it was a 
it was like super emotional just being like saying goodbye to like that dynamic of us like right. the three of us plus Lola <laughs> and then uh so she leaves and my husband comes down the stairs and he's in like white pants <laughs> I don't understand why this is funny and I had asked him a few weeks ago I said would you be down to like catch the baby and he's like yeah 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 I think he thought I was joking but anyway, so he comes down in these white pants and I'm looking at him. I said, are you sure you want to wear that? <laughs> I just bought them for him for Christmas. They're like his favorite Lululemon, like stretchy, nice, beautiful pants. Contracting, but still <laughs> taking into consideration someone else's attire. <laughs> Pre- making sure he's prepared. <laughs> he's prepared. I'm, I, I want him to be like in a good place. Too. Right. Um, so he goes, okay. So what time do you want to leave? I'm like, now, now we got to go. We got to (laughs) go. So we get in the car. It's all packed. That was the most brutal part of the, the whole labor was being in the car because what felt good to me was standing up and like leaning over something. Yeah. Gave me that relief. So now I'm strapped into a car and like holding on to that, uh, the handle at the window and just bracing. And I'm thinking, okay, they're coming every like five minutes. We're 15 minutes away. I got three contractions to like survive this car ride. (laughs) So, and of course, we're getting every red. All I'm thinking is like, thank God we're just 15 minutes away. Anyway, we get there. We pull up with the second midwife pulling up at the same time. And I look at her and she has her son with her. It's Christmas Eve. I was like, oh, first of all, I feel so bad that her kid is here. And then I lean over and I'm leaning on the car and having a contraction. And then you turn around and and after the contraction is done, like you have relief and it's like nothing's happening. Right. So I turned to the son and I said, I'm so sorry you had to witness it. He's like, I've been around labor since I was three months old. Don't even worry about it. He's 10, by the way. Yeah, he's 10. So cute. Anyway, so he had his little iPad and sat in the the midwife's room. But anyway, that was just so funny. So yeah, we go upstairs. My midwife, uh, Magalie, is sitting there waiting for me and r- brings us to our room, which was beautiful. We chose the little green room. It felt like Florida vibes. And they're listening to me and going, mm, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, you got this. Good job. Yeah. Ellie's unpacking the bag, uh, getting us settled in, and I'm just leaning over any counter I can find, you know, right. and then sitting on the bed and breathing. You know, I my legs were starting to hurt because I was just walking and pacing and walking and pacing and standing and bracing. So I would just sit and take a little break in between contractions and then go by. So we got there at two. I think at like around three thirty. Oh, I said, I said, do you guys want to like check me and see where I'm at, and what I love is they kind of said, well, do you, what number would you be comfortable with? You know, because I think it's a huge mental uh, block. Right. If let's say they check me and I was only five centimeters dilated and right. I'm like, oh my God, I got five more to go and I'm going to die. Right. You know, so they really delayed um, checking me. And I, I, at first, Ellie was like, why aren't they checking? Looking back, I really respect that. I'm so happy they did that because maybe I could have gone in my head, right? And my labor would have stopped or slowed down or I would have started to stress. But they really let me do whatever I wanted, walk around. I drank. I had a few sour candies here and there just to give me a little uh, boost, drank my orange juice. And then I got into the shower around 3.30. And in the shower, it felt so nice, but I felt the um, pressure starting to come down. And that's when I knew things were going to change. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. We're going to do this. And uh, the midwives, they're so great. They like literally help you out of the shower. They pat you dry down. Um, And at this point, I was like in the bathroom, leaning over the bathroom sink. And the bed was maybe five steps away. And I would just sit on the corner of the bed when I needed a break and then run to the bathroom sink. For some reason, this bathroom and the sink and the just felt comfortable to me. I'm like, this is probably because it was the closest place that I can lean over something. (laughs) Visually, I can't wait for everyone to see the room you labored in. (laughs) And then things just got so, so much more intense and the contractions were now like seconds apart. And I would have like two contractions back to back. And I just remember looking at them and, you know, laughing and saying I just need a break why won't she give me a break you know (laughs) because I would get two like back to back right and then you have a break 
And it's amazing because your body in that minute that it gives you, you get to like re-energize and power yourself up and like hype yourself up. And, you know, Ellie's giving me my my orange juice with ice and he's like, you got this, you're doing so great. And uh, like hyping me up. And, and then I remember just this pressure increasing and I, Leanne came to my head and she's like, bear down. And the second I started, like I, I've shifted my contractions from like kind of holding to just releasing my water went boom. Like it exploded all over the floor. (laughs) So my water broke. Um, and then, and then you feel basically like the baby's head in like that bowl of your pelvis, you know, or at least that's how I imagined it in my head. So I said, okay, like this is it. There's no going back. And this is where I have to give everything I possibly can to get this baby out. (laughs) Warrior, like sweating. (laughs) You know, so, and at this point, you're just like waiting for those contractions to come. You're like, give me another one. Give me another one. This baby's coming out. And then, um, so there was one midwife uh, to my left, another one standing here, and they go, uh, "Dad, do you want to catch the baby?" <laughs> so, and I think it caught him off guard because I I didn't think they would ever ask him, um, even though I warned him it was going to happen. So he's like, "Okay, yeah, you know." Uh, so with his white pants, he gets on the floor <laughs> in the bathroom, <laughs> getting ready to catch her, and uh, you know, just the way he kind of like describes his view got hysterical <laughs> so good you know there's me leaning over the counter i am you know uh, hitting octaves that celine dion would be impressed with <laughs> you know because it's you're literally taking all the energy and all the power and every inch of your body is like going into getting this baby out and i have to say the midwife was taking like a hot compress with oil and putting it on the perineum and like uh you know giving that like extra support there which gave like a a relief for like the circle of fire right. <laughs> the ring, ring of fire, of fire. <laughs> um so that was super nice and comforting um and then they're like okay we see the hair we see the head like give it a push and i gave everything i can and here comes her head and the way my husband describes it is he's it's like there's ali there's her you know bum and then there's grace's head staring at me hanging upside down hanging upside down just staring at me and that's how i met my daughter you know <laughs> so my husband met my daughter before i did and then um two pushes later her body came out they passed he caught her and then passed her um from behind to me in front I picked her up and they're like, I just remember them being like, do you have her? And I'm like, she's so slippery. (laughs) And um, yeah, so I caught her. uh, I held her in my hands, turned around. And then there was like two additional midwives there. Um, They, they basically came towards me. They kept her on me and they stimulated her. um, Basically rubbed her until she cried, which took only a few seconds. Um, Then they walked me over to the bed. I lay down with her on my chest. Five minutes later, pushed out the placenta, um, and they put the placenta in the bowl beside me. Yes. <laughs> it's automatic delayed cord clamping with them. They will basically let you sit with the placenta until it stops pulsating, and then you can cut the cord. So all the amazing nutrients and stem cells are going right right into your baby from this placenta. Um. So yeah, we we sat there. I had the baby you're in complete like euphoria i i couldn't believe i just did that it was like the most incredible feeling and probably the biggest accomplishment of my life at any point are you like i did it yeah i did it <laughs> it's crazy like it's uh i know i know honestly it's like the biggest accomplishment of my life it's crazy. I remember you saying that you could uh, only partially hear like another birth happening when the door opened and it just like tug your heartstrings so oh much God, after yeah. having gone through it. Yeah. Um, no, it was like, it, it was crazy. Like, and, and the beauty is once you're, you've pushed that baby out, all your pain is gone. It's yeah. all gone. And you like literally forget it just happened, you know? Yeah. And you're like, wow, I'm a 
superhuman. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, so yeah, she kind of just lay on my chest. Um, you're in a, you're in like a big bed. So your husband's beside you. You're just like, oh my God, what just happened? We're laughing with the midwives. Like, wait, how are his white pants? (laughs) The stains came off. (laughs) The stains came off. Oh my gosh. But, um, yeah, then they bring you this amazing fruit platter that just talked about. You devour it. It's so good. Um, and yeah, it's like they leave you and your baby, you get your golden hour. They're not weighing, they're not uh, doing tests, they're not taking the baby away from you, they're not rushing you to do anything, you're not being moved to a different room. Everything is there. They they come in and they give you a menu and they say, what would you like for dinner? We'll cook it for you. Um, you know, and then life, life started with baby Grace. Like, it's crazy. Grace. Yeah. And they... you know, (laughs) Eli started calling um, some family members and he's like, I can't believe it. I'm looking at Allie and she looks like she's ready to go out for dinner right now. (laughs) I think he said, let's wrap this up. Yeah. (laughs) And we can make it for Christmas Eve dinner because you delivered at five. Mm -hmm. You would have made it right in time for dinner. Yeah. So basically I got there at at 2.30. I started like really pushing, I think around 4.30 when that like became intense from the shower and I delivered her at 5.04. So it happened like super quickly. Yeah. But yeah, he looked at me and, you know, if you compare that to the state I was in with Isabel, where I was a zombie and like, I didn't even know my own name versus completely aware. I remember everything that happened. Um, You know, we could have gone home, but I said, you know what, let's stay here and let's have one night to ourselves with, with our little new one. And then uh, my daughter's at home with my in-laws. So. Let's just have one night here and then go home tomorrow morning. And that's what we did. But we we could have gone that day. Left. Right. I mean, I was in perfect shape to do so. If I didn't have a toddler at home, I would have probably come home. And for Elias, hmm. in the difference of hospital versus him being so involved in this one. <laughs> he was not expecting that at all. <laughs> you know um even just like the comfort of the seat that he got this time around versus what our husbands got the first time around I think every husband complains about that chair uh yeah so he got a beautiful bed he got to sleep next to me which was lovely instead of sleeping upright on a chair that has holes in it and springs up your butt right um he loved the experience at first he's like a he he couldn't understand why he had to be helping me. <laughs> why no one else was coming I am in. Not trained for this. <laughs> and then I told him, I said, Well, Jess explained it as a, a DIY birth, you know? <laughs> and they come in when they when they need to. Otherwise, you're on your own. Like you you have the power to do this. And if you need the help, you just open the door and they're sitting right there. They're waiting for you. Right. Um, but yeah, so he definitely enjoyed this experience. I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, do you realize that you gave birth naturally? Like we're in the year 2024 and you did it. This is not 1802. (laughs) You did it. You went against all odds against everyone who didn't believe you can do it. He couldn't believe it. I think it like hit him too. He's like, I'm so proud of you. Like you killed it. He's like, I I still can't believe that's what you did. I know. I'm sure in the moment it was such like an adrenaline rush for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're football catcher of a husband. (laughs) And yourself. Um, and okay, so you're home at this point yeah. and the support that you get from your midwives afterwards. The, yeah. the people who delivered your child are still coming to check on you and your child afterwards. Yeah. So the CLSC doesn't come um, unless you want them to. They did call me and I said, I don't need. Um, thank you. Um, but yeah, your midwives, the ones who have followed you from day one of your pregnancy to your delivery are now coming and making sure that you're okay, that the baby's okay, that everyone's doing well. They're there for any questions you have, any support you need. Um, They want to make sure that as a couple and as a family, you're being supported. They're like, are people bringing you food? What do you need? Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, Yeah. So it's really nice and comforting knowing that someone who's followed your entire journey is still following you postpartum and they know you. So they'll, they'll recognize if something's off or if you're struggling or, you know, and they'll offer suggestions or help, which is incredible. 
And then even the difference afterwards with breastfeeding with Grace. Oh my God. The connection she had with your body. Night and day. This girl latched the first second I put her on me. With Isabel, I struggled so hard. And this girl is like a, a champion. And, you know, for me, it's hard to maybe not take into consideration a natural birth versus one that was fully pumped with different medical products. Right. You know, and just the connection that you have with your baby. Not just that, but like the way I felt after I could, I could have ran a marathon. Right. Like in in general, and I know this might be a personal question, but how are you feeling? Amazing. Amazing. I have to like tell myself to sit down that I just delivered because I'm, I feel like I'm overdoing it a little bit and I, I have the right to take the time to rest and I just like haven't right. because I feel so good. Um, I don't know if you remember my feet with and Isabel. Fr- yeah, Isabel. I, I couldn't put shoes on for three weeks because I was swollen from the medication. Not just that, but I had severe um, like itchiness and insomnia as a side effect from the epidural. I was scratching like like a crackhead, you know, which right. I mean, it is a drug that right. you're, you're weaning off of essentially. Right. It was just, oh, I feel like a million bucks right now. And I'm just curious because you obviously went into this kind of never having experienced natural labor, but you mm-hmm. were already so determined in your mind to have a natural labor, but like having actually gone through it now yeah, and the person that you were not having had done it. Okay. So you were already so mentally prepared for this. Yeah. Okay. So anybody who's listening, who in their mind is like, your story sounds so beautiful and I would love it, but the thought of not having anything to tolerate pain is already a no for me. Or in the event that something happens, they're too scared. Right. So number one, everyone can do it. It doesn't matter your pain tolerance. It's just, you know, understanding your body and that it is 100% fully capable of doing this. Like women were made to bear children, whether it, you need to be hypnotized, gain some uh, courage and power, yeah. uh, which is a thing. Yeah. A different perspective. A different perspective. Yeah. Um, the, the hypnobirthing and stuff, you know, like yeah. that kind of mentally trains you. Um, which we will also have in a f- future podcast coming up. Yeah. That one was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just setting yourself up for realistic expectations. It's not like I was going to I'm blind to the fact that it was going to be painful. In my head, it was going to be a lot more painful than it actually was. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So every contraction that I was having, I was telling myself the next one's going to be 10 times worse. And when it was only five times worse, I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. I got this, you know? And for me, just the the benefits of going unmedicated was enough for me to be like, to give me that strength and that extra motivation to do it, the benefits that it will give me and my child. So, you know, it was a combination of many things. And I think it just stems back to, you know, doing your homework and doing your research. And if this is something you really want, you can do it. You know, anyone can do it. And frankly, everyone should be doing it unless they have some type of um, medical um, complication or a high-risk pregnancy, or twins, or, you know, something that really needs you to be in a hospital setting, God forbid something happens. But most physiological births can be done, you know, at home. You know, your your body is meant for this. There's A, the pain tolerance, and then there's B, God forbid something were to happen, they just feel more comfortable being at the hospital setting. Right. So that was a a question that I would get often is, you know, what happens if something does go wrong? First of all, they're affiliated with three different hospitals that are within five to 15 minutes away, the furthest one. If there's anything or if they feel that throughout the labor, something's not going well, they will call the hospital and ambulance will show up and and transfer you and they will be there with you. Um, They are also fully equipped for emergencies and fully trained for emergencies to resuscitate. They have the equipment there. So it's not like... Uh, you're giving birth in a forest and then you have to run and find a highway and hitchhike to a hospital. They are equipped. They know what to do. They are trained. And worst case, you get in an ambulance and they transfer you to the hospital and they will hold your hand through it. Wow. Do we want to shout out your birthing center, by the way? I don't even think we said which one you were at. I gave birth at the Lac Saint Louis birthing center. My midwives were Magali and Tanya. 
They were amazing. They took time away from their families during Christmas to be there uh, with me as I grow my family. So I will forever be grateful for them. Um, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better dream birth. I gave birth, you know, standing up in a bathroom on my tippy toes. Um, and we all laugh about it. What's funny is even if someone was like, I will give you a million dollars right now to go and give birth on your back on the bed or like in any other position, I would be like, there's no way. This is what to me feels natural and the most uh, comfortable. Right. And I uh, did I ever think I'd give birth standing up in a bathroom? Right. No, but it's just the funniest thing. And it's a great story, you know? I mean, from the sidelines and watching you through all of this, I think my intro said everything, but I mean, <laughs> I could not be any more proud of you. Thank you. You are like a testament to just like the strength <laughs> that women have in themselves. You know, and I hope I can inspire someone um, to do the same or at least like consider it. And and for the record, if you are in labor at the birthing center and you're just like, I really, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I'm too tired. And you do need that pain relief. You can be transferred to a hospital and they will give you that. Right. You know, so it is an option. But just the benefits of everything that comes with having a midwife and the care and the facility and was just 10 on 10. Like I, I looked at my husband, I'm like, is there anything missing in this room, in this day, in this whole, you know? And he's like, no, this was it. Perfect. You know? And if I had to redo either Isabel's birth or uh, Grace's birth with all the pain and all the contractions, I would do Grace's birth 10 on 10 all over again. Yeah, it was great. I was going to say, are there any parting words? But I mean, I feel like you've touched on everything. I think so. And I know that you're never in this position and we always ask our guests, <laughs> what is your current favorite baby product? Ooh, current favorite baby product has probably got to be the snuggle me that she's in right beside us. Look, we've been filming for what, an hour and she's snoozing away. Yeah. Our, fe think, our featured guest. My... Yeah, I think you did it, it also <laughs> in our like very first posts. And what is your favorite mom product this time around? My Favorite mom product would have to be the breastfeeding tanks, which I never took advantage of with Isabel because I was pumping all the time. But this time around, they're quite handy with this machine of an eater. <laughs> Bravo, Grace. Baby Grace. We'll clap for you, our featured guest who's sleeping snugly away this entire time. Yeah. And so well, with that, that's our first episode of season two. That's it. And this was another real and raw conversation. See that's you next right. time. See ya.